Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20, BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. On today's show, Christian and I sat down with Matt Moore of Action Network. You probably follow him on Twitter at HP Basketball. Following the Nuggets Nailbiter, their win Tuesday night. Over the Detroit Pistons, we did this at Pepsi Center. So apologies, audio isn't as crisp as it normally is when Christian and I are are recording in the studios here. But it was a really good chat. We touched on why Matt has Mike Malone as his coach of the year right now, how we think the Nuggets will react to a playoff environment, what to expect from them over the next couple months, how deep they could make it in the playoffs. A lot of great stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy. And now our conversation with Matt Moore. All right. Happy to welcome in special guest of the show. Long overdue appearance on the BSN Nuggets podcast, Matt Moore. You finally stopped ducking me. (laughs) We finally stopped ducking you. We had to save your appearance for a special occasion like a a Tuesday night against the Pistons. (laughs) There is no better podcast for me to come on with you specifically than this kind of a game. Well, I don't really want to spend too much time on the game, to be honest. Well, that's good, because I only barely watched it. Nuggets won 95-92. Any takeaways from this one? Uh, I asked Gary Harris after the game if they know that they have to play better, they know that they have to try hard, but right. it's just impossible in a six-month season to do that. And he's like, it's tough. He's like, but we know we have to be better. And like he gave all the rote answers, but it's just you can't be as good as they are for six months. You just can't. You just can't, and not when you're – you go from playing the Boston Celtics with Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and this team that's supposed to contend for an NBA Finals, at least going into the season, yeah. with a chance to clinch a playoff berth. You go from that to the Wizards, the Knicks, 
and the Pistons. And the Pistons at home where, let's be honest, at this point, they know that they can roll the ball out and win at home versus any team that's not in the Western Conference and not above 500. The Pistons are barely above 500. They were before tonight. So, like, my only big takeaway, I think, is mostly about the Pistons and some of their things that are working and not working. Um, I do think that there continues to be these little flashes and, like, I would like to see things like when Nikola Jokic scored those two buckets when he got the, 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 the score through the double team mm-hmm. and then the dunk. I'd really like to see it, like, come out of the timeout, feed him again. Just keep feeding him. Like, make them stop him over and over again. Drummond got a block, but, like, go back to him. Get on Jokic's back because when you're in a playoff series, like, you are going to need that. And I don't think that there's any way to simulate the playoffs. But I, have, I do have concerns about the fact that Denver never really is like, we're going to hammer this matchup into oblivion. They never do that, and I think that that would probably be something they want in their bag. Yeah, they just look bored right now. I mean, they're 7-1 in the last eight games, and I think they played two good games during that stretch. Like, I'm not worried about it in the least. And, like, early in the season, when you lose a game, it's a teaching moment. But they've had all those teaching moments, and they've learned from them. Like, they know exactly what it takes for them to get to where they need to go, and they're already largely there. Like, they are killing times. The month of March is useless in the NBA. This it's entire so month useless. We've been saying this useless. for the last three weeks. Yes. Why is there 82 games in the season? Yes. I don't say that at all. I used to be, like, an 82-game yep. season guy. Yeah. Like, but, those random nights are what make the NBA so fun. Right. And it's true that there are ones. Like, the Spurs and the Hornets had a fantastic game in which Kimball Walker closed. And if you get an exciting one, it's great. It's just that by this point, like, everyone's so tired. Like, the Pistons are so tired. They've been on this West Coast road trip. Like, they're banged up. They missed their first 10 shots from the field they tonight. They missed their first 10 I shots I will from say the this. Field. That first quarter that Detroit played tonight, that might have been the worst basketball I've watched all season. It was bad. The worst 12-minute stretch of basketball. Blake Griffin missed like eight shots from within three feet in the first six minutes of this game. I looked down at the box score. Detroit had like nine offensive rebounds after four minutes. Yeah. What is happening here? We just need to get to the playoffs. My takeaway from this game is the same as Christian's. I think this team is just disinterested. They're over the regular season. They've clinched the playoff spot. They want to get to the playoffs. They want to see what that's all about. I don't, even think I don't even think it's disinterested. I think that they're interested. I think it's impossible for them to get the kind of energy that they need. Like, I don't think that there's a lack of desire for them to play hard. Like, Golden State legitimately does not care. Like, there's sure. not apathy with Denver. It's just impossible for them to generate the kind of energy that they need in order to be, like, to blow a team out by 30 the whole game. Like, you're just not able to generate that now. Yeah. They played so hard in December and January. Let that team busted ass to get where it is in the standings and they've earned it and they know that they, they can screw around this team is now 41 and one when they have led after three quarters you put that stat on will bart and he, he gave you a little props for that he was just like we know that like this is like we know that we can win like they know that especially at home they know yeah. that and so you're just you're never going to be able to generate the kind of interest like kind of of energy that you need to bury a team. Very few teams I've ever seen can. This is one of the things that's always been like a quiet thing about the Spurs is like Pop paces them expertly because he knows that if they go up by too much, they're probably going to lose it. And so like the Spurs just stay 10 to 15 ahead of you at mm-hmm. all times. That's how they win games. The Warriors, they had that one year where they buried everybody and tried to humiliate the world and didn't work out great for them. And then in subsequent years, like they do the same thing too, where they go up by 30 and then it's like, this is a 10 point game in the fourth quarter. It's just, you can't keep that energy up the whole way. Yeah, that seems like it's happened a lot with the Nuggets lately where they, they get their foot right in their opponent's throat and then they help them back up. And all of a sudden it's a five point game. I mean, do you just think that's a youth thing? I think they expect them to quit. 
I think that's part of it is like NBA games are almost too long to quit sometimes. You, yeah, and like you you have to you have to want to humiliate a team in a way that very few NBA teams do. Like you have to have a personal vendetta against them. And one thing I will say that this team probably will benefit from in the playoffs is some bad blood. Well, they, well, the Warriors, we were talking about this before the game. In the last two matchups against Denver, the Warriors have wanted to brutally humiliate them. And yeah. they did. But, you know, that's the Warriors against the Nuggets. Yeah, and, like, the Denver doesn't have anybody, like, especially not the Pistons. They don't have any like, – there's, they've played each other twice a year. There's no real connection. There's nothing. The only teams that they have, like, real kind of beef with are Utah – Portland mm-hmm. and OKC, yep. like those are the only teams; those are their division teams that they have actual like they're competing with. Yep. They don't have like real rivalries with anybody else, and they're also too young to. They need a playoff series to get some of that bad blood, but you're never going to have the kind of. Remember when the Warriors used to absolutely just humiliate the Clippers, like oh, just yeah. destroy them? What happened? Like the Clippers traded uh, all those guys that they hated, and now like the Clippers, I think, have beaten the Warriors twice this season. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to have extra motivation to get there, and very few teams do. All right, well, I'm glad you brought up the playoffs. I want to get to that in a second. The first thing I wanted to hit you on, though, I don't want to spoil the content coming out on ActionNetwork.com. And if you guys aren't subscribed, subscribe to Matt's site, ActionNetwork.com. But you have Michael Malone as your coach of the year right now. I do. And I don't know if this is influenced at all by you probably seeing more Nuggets games than a lot of national writers, but a lot of national writers I've seen who – have put out a coach of the year ballot or, or something along those lines, don't have him as coach of the year. So you're one of the few national guys that does. Yeah. Give me a, a one-minute synopsis of why Michael Malone is your coach of the year. Growth over time, coupled with success despite injury, coupled with top-tier performance in the Western Conference and a stellar record versus the elite teams. Like – I'm always looking for like what your resume is. Like mm-hmm. I spend a lot more time on MVP than anybody else. I will, I'll go ahead and say that. I spend more time studying for MVP than any other any other media person in the world. You do. And like I'm not very proud of it. And honestly, that's not something to be proud of. I spend way too much time on it. But like I'll say this, you, I'm looking for resume. Like what's your resume to be able to put out there for your profile of an MVP? And the for me, you know, Doc Rivers has an excellent case. There's all these candidates that are excellent cases. There's going to be a lot of good coaching in the NBA. There's a lot of good candidates. This Will year. Barton was out for two and a half to three months, and they still took the top spot in the Western Conference. They lost Paul Millsap and Gary Harris while Barton was out for a solid five weeks. They kept the number one spot in the Western Conference. The Western Conference we know is brutal. They play in the toughest division, yep. in which they are nine and two. Going probably north of that, they play in the toughest conference in which they have a stellar record. They have great home games. They have a great net rating. He got them to play defense for two months, and that's it. But still, he got them to play defense for two months. All of this coupled with how young they are. I mean, we're talking about the Lakers, and like, well, we have to remember how young they are. They are so young. There's all this on them. Not in Denver. And to me, you look at all that, and part of it, too, is – I'm able to, I am able, because I, I cover this team, I'm able to look at Malone and recognize the real improvements that he's made to be the coach of the year. Like, he took things that are always going to be hard for him, like riding the team too hard, overreacting to losses, all of these things, man, not managing his timeouts. Mm-hmm. He's improved in all those areas, and to me that makes for the best case for coach of the year. I think one of the things that I didn't really grasp when I first started covering this team that I do now is, is just how far this franchise has come and, and how much Malone is responsible for that. 
This this franchise was a tire fire when Malone got here. Like you think to one, two, three, six weeks. I mean, there are so many examples. I mean, this team has come so far in four years. I don't typically write a lot of complete burn it down columns. Like I've written, I think eight on the Knicks because they're the Knicks. Um, but other than that, like I don't really write those kind of columns because I'm always like, well, you have to understand the circumstance and this, that, and the other. I wrote a column in 2000 and what 15 in the spring of 2015. And the headline on CBSSports.com was, the Denver Nuggets are a train wreck. And that was like, and I, I ripped. Was that before or after the Iron Events article? Uh, that was before. Okay. Uh, like, I ripped Cronky. I ripped the coaching staff, which got fired. I ripped the front office. I tore the whole thing to pieces. And they have, to their great credit, completely turned that around. I was talking to Tim Conley tonight about what that process was like in 2016 and what drew him to Mo. And, and one of the things that he, that he really said was, we know this guy's going to care every night. Yeah. We know he's going to bring it. Like, he's going to stay invested in the young guys at all costs. Like, there's no question about buy-in from Michael Malone. And um, that is something that I think gets underrated is just how much a great coach really cares about the team. You can care about winning. You can care about the X's and O's. You can care about playing. You can care about the success. Or you can care about the process of coaching and I don't know anybody in the NBA that co that I know guys that, co that maybe care as much I don't know anybody that cares more than Michael Malone well put I mean he's my coach of the year and I think the biggest biased <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's the only coach in the NBA who knows my name I'll, I'll say that <laughs> true um, only took him like two years <laughs> I think the injuries is the biggest thing going for him I mean you mentioned the Barton thing there was a stretch in December where the Nuggets were without three of five starters for eight games. And I've got this down here. Juancho Hernan Gomez averaged 33 minutes per game over that eight-game stretch. Monte Morris averaged around 30 minutes a game. Torrey Craig averaged 30 minutes a game. And that was just for eight games where they were without three of five. But Gary Harris was in and out of the lineup over those first three months of the season. Paul Millsap has had injuries. So... The fact that they really only had Murray, who he was even hurt for a couple games, and Jokic out of their starters as constants throughout the whole year, and they're still at the top of the West. I, I think that's the biggest thing he's got in his back pocket. I think Denver had led the league in total missed games due to injury for most of the season. I believe the Cavaliers overtook them recently, but I think they're second now in most games missed. For most of the season, this was the most injured team in the league, and like you said, it came into the league, came into the year as the second youngest too. Well, I want to know what the narrative is with a lot of these these things because, like, one of the narratives is, oh, it's just Jokic and a bunch of like nobodies. Okay, so which is it? Is it that the team is too good, and so Michael Malone can't win Coach of the Year because he's got too good of a roster, or is it that you know the the Nuggets aren't serious because they have a bunch of nobodies? Like those two narratives are simultaneously spit out in a lot of circles, and it infuriates me because I'm like, you have to choose one. Either the team is not good, and therefore Michael Malone is probably coach of the year for bringing them up, or the roster's pretty good, and in my case, like I think the roster's pretty good, and Michael Malone's got the most out of them. Like, he's gotten so much out of guys that are inexperienced. He's gotten so much growth out of these guys. Part of it for me, too, is 
there should be some recognition of how far they've come with their player development, and Malone plays a big part in that. No doubt. For him to have brought along a, a guy that's still on his rookie contract in Gary Harris or in Jamal Murray, for a guy that's just got his extension in Gary Harris to be the second or third most important player, Jokic to be the most important player. Like Monte Morris, after no spending doubt. all season in the G League, has been the best backup point guard in the league. Those are all credits to Malone and his staff, and they deserve recognition for that. The Lakers put what a lot of their blame on the injury to LeBron mm-hmm. and not just the injury to LeBron, but injuries to a lot of guys on that roster. Uh, there is a tweet and a quote from LeBron earlier this month uh, where he said, you have four guys in our top eight rotation that you have to really rely on. And it's unfair for them to ask them for so much when they're in their second or third years. Well, the Nuggets have five guys in their 10 man rotation in their second and third years. Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, Wancho, who at times is bouncing in and out, and uh, Torrey Craig, who you know was playing in New Zealand two years ago. So I mean, I, I those narratives you just rattled off like they're just not true. Yeah, they're just not, and it's just been really baffling to me to see a team that's this much of a good story, mm-hmm. to see a team that's like this much of a great narrative of, of they did it the right way, like right. they really did. They tried splitting the middle between being good and like trying to be a playoff team and being bad, and it was a disaster. So they shifted directions, they went all young, they built around a non-traditional guy that they found, that they mm-hmm. just dug up from, from nowhere, who turned into one of the best players in the league. They've built great young players around them, they added competent veterans, they added uh, you know, the biggest free agency signing, and a guy that isn't this big monster superstar, but he makes everything click for them. He's the perfect guy for this team at this time. Yeah. And they've developed, all their, all, they've developed all their young guys. They, they put all of that together. Like, isn't that – like, shouldn't we want that from teams instead of, like, the eternal tanks that we see or the constantly chasing superstars until you finally get lucky because one guy wants his kid to play basketball in L.A. and he wants to go make – he wants a shorter drive to his production studio? Like, don't you want to reward the teams that are actually good? Because if – the Lakers were in the Nuggets spot right now. Luke Walton would be a shoe-in for Coach of the Year. Oh, yeah. And that's the reality, and that's really messed up. And that's the main reason why he's not going to win it. It's because this is in Denver. Yeah. That's got to be the main well, reason Well, I will why. say that, that though, because I, I think Mike Budenholzer is probably at the forefront right now. I think it's Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers. But Mike Budenholzer has Giannis. Yeah. And, but that's also crazy to me. Is like, why is I, I get it? Giannis is the MVP because Giannis can jump and touch the top yeah. of the backboard. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, and that's, so that's the difference. And that's and but it's just it's really weird. And it's like, you know, even when early in the season, like when Denver was hanging in there for the top record in the league, it, there still wasn't generating as much attention. There's a real kind of like there's a real resistance to Denver that they're going to have to just prove it and shut everyone up by winning, and that's going to be their only recourse. And I will say, though, that that's not just national. That's local as well. I don't know if you guys read the uh, Zach Lowe's thing on his profile of De'Aaron Fox today, but uh, people in the Kings front office are making comments like, we want to be like Denver, like they're a model organization for us, which, one, it's hilarious that the Nuggets are at the point where other teams are like, yeah, they're a model organization. And, two, I think that spoke to what Tim Connolly's always talking about, not skipping steps. I think patience has been, like, so key for this thing. You know what I think about today, as I'm writing this big-ass Nuggets thing, is – in 2016, everyone went wild with their money. Wild. Like Evan Turner, $70 million. Yamahimi, $80 million, et cetera, et cetera. And I asked Conley what they were going to do, and he was like, probably nothing. And I was like, 
aren't you going to be at the floor? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, we're not going to spend just to spend. And that's really tricky because of Denver's reputation. Like, there's a lot of ways that that could wind up being in trouble for them in terms of them being perceived as cheap. But yep. instead, what they did was they held cap space. They didn't and they transferred that money eventually into Paul Millsap, their best free agency signing and a four-time All-Star. And they used that money to pay Gary Harris and pay Will Barton. Like They've kept this core together, and I think that's probably what's going to happen this summer is they're going to keep this core together and build continuity. And I they agree. didn't waste their opportunities by being – and they, they were able to take advantage of being patient and smart instead of – you know, taking grasping at straws or, or going for these big shots. And again, like I just ask, like, isn't that what we want to see from from teams? No, they they did it the right way, and they did it how they had to do it in Denver, right? Yeah. Like, I talked to him about this all the time too. Um, he kind of like had a reset after the Brian Shaw two year run, and was like, all right, I gotta stock this roster and locker room with high character guys. Like, want to be like-minded here. dudes was what he the phrase he used. Like-minded dudes, that's a good one. Who, like, love basketball. Mm-hmm. Like we see that Will Barton, Monte Morris, Mason, the, Mason Plumley, Gary Harris. These guys love basketball. They eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. And they've got to be self-motivated, and you know, there's got to be good guys who like to be around each other, and you know we like to be around too. And hopefully, uh, that will breed winning. And Obviously, they did it through the draft because they couldn't attract that free agent guy. Um, so they built this team how they had to in Denver, a market where that was really the only path forward, I felt like. Denver's uh, – it's funny because Denver's done something similar to what OKC's done in that hmm. OKC knows it's in Oklahoma City. And Denver's a much bigger market than OKC. But, you know, there's the same kind of perception of it not being a marquee place to sign. And what's, uh, what OKC did was – they said to themselves, we're going to be a place that takes care of our players first and foremost. They're going to feel loved. They're going to feel like family. They're going to be appreciated. We're going to take the best care of them in every regard. The best training staff, the best facilities. We're going to give them all the guidance and help that they need to be great. We're going to do all of these things. And they've really done that here, I think, in Denver, too, is, is they've shown that they're going to take care of you. And, like, I, was, I asked Will Barton tonight, okay, look, I know you want to win because he's always said that, right? Like, when you ask him, like, why would you sign here? I thought we could win. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of places you could have gone and won. Like, there's a lot of places you could have signed with and had a real shot at the finals. Like, he could have signed with the Pacers for more money last yeah. summer and won not the same amount of games, but still won a in, lot. The, in the mid-40s. Yeah, and had a real shot. And I think he could have taken less money and gone to a contender. Yeah. Or before this summer, he could have asked him Conley and said, like, look, I gave you two good years. I really want to go and compete for something serious. Like, I don't want to waste my career. I want to go. And Tim probably would have helped him out. Like, he offered to do that with Darrell Arthur. And I asked, you know, Will, like, why here? And he was like, they gave me a chance to save my career. And loyalty's big to me. And, like, that's a guy that turned down more money Mm -hmm. to stay here and be a starter that that helps them win a lot of games, no matter what Nuggets fans think. that shows it because of how the, the, the organization treated him. And they're going to be the beneficiary, I think, of that this summer, depending on what they do with Paul Millsap, whether it's this summer or next. I think they're going to be the beneficiary of that down the line when, they're, when they are cap-strapped and need somebody to take a hit. They're going to probably catch a break here and there because they've invested a lot in taking care of guys, doing things right. Now, you have to do both. You can't just take care of guys and lose. But they've done both, and that's something that's really difficult to do. And it's we're in this funny spot, I think, as media because – for those of us that have been coming so long, we're like, this is amazing. Like, I just want to be like, 
I know that you guys need to play better, but like you beat the Pistons when you didn't care. Like you didn't even try, and you still beat the Pistons. I think Michael Malone said it after tonight's game. Where what nine and one in her last ten, or eight and one in her last nine, and haven't even played that well. Yeah, and it's like that's amazing from where you guys have come, but they're still so hungry. They want to accomplish so much more, and like at least for me, for myself, and, and a few of the people, folks that have been around since that those early days of the really the dark days of Brian Shaw, which it wasn't all on Brian. Like that roster was a nightmare too. The J.J. Hickson era is actually how I call it. Um, since the J.J. Hickson era, like, you know, to see this progress is remarkable. And I have to remind myself, like, they don't, this is not, they, they're not like, we did it, guys. We've, mission accomplished. They're, they're still wanting more. I, I'll say this, though. Like, I'm a, I'm a super, I'm more realist, and you guys know that. Will Barton believes that they can make the finals. Will Barton believes they can win a championship. Like, Will Barton 100% believes that. Like, I thought, like, okay, everybody says that. Like, no, Will Barton believes it. And that's wild to me, but it's also, like, I could, there's a scenario I can build in my head in which it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the odds are extremely low it happens. But the fact that there's even a possibility where I could say, like, no, I could build you a scenario, I think that just is remarkable to me. Well, if you didn't have supreme confidence for you're an athlete, you wouldn't be where you are. I mean, it's like essential to no, being a professional I, no, I, I, But here's the thing, the flip side of that coin, though, Christian, is like you have supreme confidence in yourself, but because you have supreme confidence in yourself, you're always judging everybody else around you. Like, if you're one of the best players in the world, like, think about LeBron's teams. Like, one of the problems is, like, if you, LeBron passes to you and you miss, that's it. I gave you a shot because his shots are premium. Like, his passes are gold, and you must use it extremely wisely. So you're always kind of passing judgment on the players around you. And even if you're not that good, you think you are. So you're constantly, like, reevaluating what's going on around you. And so, like, there's a lot of guys I think that they are, like, well, no, this team's not that good, or, like, our front office or our coach is a joke or whatever. And, like, I think the teams that genuinely believe, like, no, we can do this, actually are more rare than I think people believe. I think if you ask a player, can you go in a, can you win a championship, they're always going to say yes. If you ask a player, except for Monte Morris, Monte Morris may be like, nah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just hoping to be a backup point guard. Like, if I can just make, some, make it, like, a good living and make some playoff, that'd be great. But, like, most guys, if you ask them, can you win a finals, yeah. Can this team, they're going to be like, if you had got them away from the, from the mics and asked them that, they'd be like, I don't know, man, like. I don't know if we got what it takes. But there are guys on this team that really think that, and that, I think, is going to help them in the playoffs. Back to our conversation with Matt Moore real quick. We've got to hit a break. Before we do, though, I want to remind you guys to hit up Green Solution, new sponsor on the BSN Nuggets podcast. You can visit any one of their 17 locations and get 20% off your entire purchase by using the code BSN20. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's in our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a 
full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Moe's to someone because we can cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Now back to our chat with Matt Moore. Glad you brought up what Will Barton said because I wanted to transition into some playoff talk and what we're expecting or what we have no idea about this team when it comes to the postseason because it's been one of my realizations over the last couple of weeks probably because I've never covered a playoff team before over my first three seasons around this team. But all this regular season shit, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. For you know the best teams in the league, it's all about what you do in the playoffs. Like, Who really cares what happens in the regular season? That, it's important for teams like the Nuggets before this year, you know, for, for teams like that. But when you get in the postseason, that's what really matters. It's been a big realization for me. Like, okay, we, they've come so far, but – now they enter the unknown, I guess. Yeah, and there's so many range of outcomes. Yeah. Um, it's a watershed moment, and it's a crossroads, and that's exciting, but it's also scary. Uh, if they're swept by the Clippers in the first round, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get really nasty. If they lose in the first round of the Spurs, it's going to be they were outclassed by a superior organization. It doesn't matter how it happens. You know, even if Jokic gets hurt, like they're still going to be like, well, you know, and I'm like, I'll say that, like everybody has injuries. So you got to be able to survive it. And the fact that they're going to probably come into the playoffs as the two seed. Mm-hmm. And then if they would have would lose to a seven seed, yeah. no matter who that is. I mean, the optics of that, you just can't escape. Yeah, they're bad. However, I also thought this, like what happens if they win that first round series? They win that first round series. And especially like there is a decent possibility. It's very low, but there's a decent possibility that the Denver Nuggets are going to be the one seed, the Golden State Warriors are going to be the two seed, and the Houston Rockets are going to be the three seed with the Portland Trail Blazers without use of Nurkic and the Utah Jazz without Dante Exum are going to be in the 4-5. And there is no better lie for Denver than that. And that opens up a world of possibility of Denver could make a serious run, and they need to push this as far as they can. It's very important because next year is not going to be like this. That's one of the things I do in the back of my mind think a lot about mm. is like this has been a, a, such an incredibly fun year to cover the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Not going to be that way next year. Well, it's because they've absolutely blown expectations out of the wall. Well, and they've ca- here's the weird thing is for all the injury issues, they've caught every break. They really have in terms of, you know, they, when they've needed hot shooting nights, they've gotten it. They've won all these clutch games, which are often coin flips. Um, you know, their injuries were bad but sustainable because of, you know, who stepped up and how. Nikola Jokic, knock on wood, yeah. was one of the guys who has stayed healthy. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of a big one. Uh, Jamal Murray's not playing for contract. Um, well, like, yeah, kind of. Kind of. Paul Millsap is at a point where he's not really pressing. Um, Michael Parr Jr.'s not mm-hmm. this stellar talent that's going to demand, like, 
his play will demand touches of how talented he is. They don't have to try and fit that in. Uh, the Isaiah Thomas thing was easy to excise, which that could have been really ugly if he played just well enough to where it was like, he's playing really well, but they're losing all these games, and that's a problem. Like, that, they managed to get out of that, and Monte Morris stepped up. Like, everything went right for them. But, like, look, look at the Boston Celtics, and not just their chemistry issues with Kyrie Irving or whatever. Like, Terry Rozier's had down year. If Monte Morris had a down year this year, disaster. If he has one next year, it's going to get harder. So, like, they need to make the most out of this year that they possibly can. They need to make as, as far a run as possible. Um, and I think that winning in the first-round series will change a lot of the conversation locally about them, and that's a really good step for the fan base because there's just going to be a lot of nervousness, I think, in that first-round series based off of their history. Yeah, I kind of think expectations have changed to the point to where if they lose in the first round, there will be genuine disappointment. Like, I, I think you almost kind of have to win that first. You don't have to, but, you know, you kind of you're gonna like drown, to win that first You're going to drown series. in same old nuggets if you don't get yeah. it out of that first round. Right. And I, we actually got a call about this on, on the fan hotline, but somebody called in and said, man, if they lose in the first round, just be like the George Carl Nuggets. Yeah. And – I there's, mean, there's yes. nothing similar. It's their first playoff right. run. Right. Like, there's all these reasons they're, for it to be like. They're a top 10 defense. And, you know, they're in a tough spot, I think, too, because I, th- I think the organization, the coaching staff, and the front office, I think to a certain degree, like, I think they want to, like, temper expectations a little bit, but they can't do that without instilling, without questioning the confidence of the mm-hmm. team. So they just kind of have to be like, We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get. Like that's their thing right now. Is like, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Like, let's win as many games as possible. Let's make playoffs, and then we'll see where we go from here. You brought up the Isaiah Thomas thing. I should have brought that up when uh, we were talking about Michael Malone for Coach of the Year, because he handled that situation about as good as you could have possibly handled it. And he pulled the plug on Isaiah Thomas after nine games. I was shocked. Yeah, I was too. They I act- thought he was going to definitely let that thing run because you still had. 17, 18 games left in the season. That's more than enough time to get your rotation set. I thought it was one of the gutsiest moves of his four-year run, pulling him, pulling him after only nine games. The game before he pulled him, I had a local radio spot. They were like, do you think he pulls Isaiah Thomas? I was like, no. I was like, that's not most character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think it was out of – I don't think it was bad character. I think that – the thing I thought was impressive was I thought that if he did that, he might lose the locker room, that – even though people are – everybody was – like, fan, this is how fans think. His fans are like, but the guys are all playing better without him. They'll be happy. I was like, that's not how it works. Like, when you got guys that respected in the locker room that's been talking to you all year that you've gotten to have a relationship with, and then you throw him under the bus, that can have really bad consequences. And instead, the way that Malone was able to do it and be like, it's not personal. I said, like, and Malone's, like, said this, and the way that he's handled it, I think, has been brilliant. Him saying, like, I'm not his favorite person right now. Yeah. And I know that. But I love him. I'm going to tell him I love him. I'm going to, you know, like, that's about as, as good Michael as Michael Malone has it. used the word love a lot this year. Which is, funny which is funny because he's also been – he's not as broody as he was the last couple of years. He is more – he's just got such an edge to him. Like, you, you can just tell that, like – and it's like the more that they win, the more he has it. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, that's really why, like – I had a conversation with him back in January, and – like I asked him, I was like, "Are you ever gonna let yourself reward? Like, uh, like, are you gonna let yourself celebrate this?" And they definitely celebrated when they made the playoffs. But that was also like he wanted to do that with the team. He's not gonna let him. Like, I don't think he took a victory lap that night. I bet they went out. I bet they had a good time. But I bet that when Michael Malone was alone, he wasn't like looking in the mirror like, "You did it." I think he was like, "All right, let's look at some film. 
Like yeah, <laughs> let's look at film on the Pistons. Yeah. Um, I have a take about how I think the Nuggets will react to the uh, first round playoff series. Uh, quick though, last thing on Isaiah. I was not surprised, and I didn't think he'd lose the locker room when pulling Isaiah out of the rotation, because I got the sense from from talking to guys that everybody kind of thought it needed to happen. Monte Morris was going to say the right things. I have a feeling he kind of got the sense that it wasn't working, and I mean, look around at the one thing that changed from yeah. the bench lineup. Talking well, to Mason Plumlee, you you kind of got the sense that. Everybody kind of knew there needed to be something that needed to be changed. Well, and I think a lot of it is, like, if you play badly but the team's fine, then the guys are still going to support you. They're going to be like, you're going to pull out of this. We're going to get you there. We're still playing well. It's okay. And right. it's not a matter of – it's not the same thing as, like, well, I'm fine, so I don't care. It's not like that. It's like, okay, no, you're, you're struggling, but we're all in this together, and we're going to pull you out of it together, and then you're going to be playing well, and I'm going to be playing well, and it's great. And I think even if one of the guys was, like, putting up good numbers but the team was struggling, they still would feel the same way, which is, like, this just doesn't work. Like, this just doesn't work. And that's especially hard when you're, like, it's worked all year. Like, we've played so well, and now we're just not. Um, and, like, some of that's just, like, the realities of, of the rotation and where Mo was at. Like, I, th- I still wonder how much of it was Gary Harris being hurt and having to use those three-guard lineups, which, like, got – like, that was just a mess when you got Monte playing to, like, play off-ball – and, like, a little bit of, like, pick and roll, but then, like, has to space the floor. Then Gary Harris trying to run DHO. And then, like, Isaiah just, like, not standing in the corner even. He's just standing in half court being, like, give me the ball. And, like, it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work. I think those guys respected Isaiah. I think that they have appreciation for Isaiah. I think they wanted it to work. Yep. But I think they also were, like, this is too big of an opportunity. And this is, like, it's a really hard moment, I think, for Isaiah to watch this group of young guys that are, like, on the verge of making their careers and be, like, I'm the guy that's in the way. That's got to really suck for him. And I have a lot of empathy for Isaiah Thomas because he got screwed by the Celtics. He's been screwed by injuries. He went through the death of his sister, which he still hasn't gotten over, which is understandable. You're never going to get over something like that. He's been through so much, and he's just been cast a bad roll of the dice after bad roll of the dice over the last couple of years. Yeah, and the way Isaiah Thomas wants to play, too, is just so much different than the way everybody else on this roster wants to play offenses. I mean, he, he's high pick and roll every time, and everybody else is but I think passing Mon- cut and moving and going like after Monte, landoffs. I feel like Monte plays a lot of that, though, too. I feel like Monte and him have played pretty good in the pick and roll. Like It was just a matter of you can't have two guys running completely different styles of pick and roll. Monte's also like, I'm going to come off the pick and roll, and they're going to have to help, but I'm going to find the right pass. And Isaiah's like, I'm going to come off the pick and roll, and I'm going to shoot every single time. And that's, I think, really difficult for them. And it just didn't work. Yeah, I have a ton of empathy for Isaiah, too. And I do have to tip my hat to him because he's been a good soldier here since he's been pulled from the rotation. He's into the games, you know. I don't know. I'm not inside the locker room, but I would think he still has a voice there. He does. They were telling me tonight. Like, he's still – I asked Gary Harris if he's talked to, to Paul about the playoffs, and he says, like, yeah, we talked to Paul and Isaiah about what it's going to be like. Yeah. Like, they have – it's, I always like, I'm always really curious about what those conversations are like, where it's like, it's like, <laughs> Grandpa, what are the playoffs like? Right. Well, 
Let me tell you about this 2004 series with, tell you against was, the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Let me Spurs. tell you what it was. Yeah, exactly. Millsap was on a, Spur, on a Jazz team that got absolutely just stomped by the San Antonio Spurs in the first mm. round. Like, Millsap's been a part of so many different teams. I think that's one of the things that's going to be really helpful for them is, like, Millsap's been the favorite going in that struggled. He's been, uh, like, the scrappy team that was pulling the upset. He's been the first round out. Like, he's got a wide range of experience for them to draw on. Here's my take. I want to transition to the playoffs here. I might be totally off on this take, and I might look like a real fool <laughs> after game one or maybe, Let's go. maybe at halftime of game one. But I'm starting to think that maybe because there's no playoff experience on this team outside of Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, and uh, Isaiah Thomas, I'm starting to wonder and think maybe this team is just so young and – they're playing so well, and like you spoke about Will Barton, he's got the confidence that he thinks this team can win a championship. Maybe this team just rides that, and it's kind of a bad expression for this, but just like they're too dumb and young to know about the pressures of the playoffs in a first-round series, and they're not going to kind of get overcome by the moment. Am but I absolutely crazy? The They don't know any better. Right, Hush, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. Um you're not crazy because I've seen teams do it. Look, quite honestly, when you look at the 2015 Warriors, like who were the veterans on that team? Like Sean Livingston had not been to the playoffs in a serious capacity. He'd been, I think, with one round with the Nets. Andrew Bogut? Um, Bogut had been, I think, Milwaukee? once with Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, Iguodala had been in the first round with the Sixers. They upset the Bulls. Iguodala they, had also been in the playoffs with Denver. And had not made, sure if you remember and, that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and has and and had lots of of great intel on that series for various people. Um, so like they had like a little bit, but then you look at Denver and it's like, well, Paul Millsap's been there, and Will Barton had a playoff series, and Isaiah Thomas, even though he's not necessarily on, and Mason Mason went to the playoffs with the Nets. So like, the Nuggets have a few guys that have been to the playoffs, uh, but the Warriors like Clay Thompson hadn't been, Steph Curry hadn't been, 2013, not 15, the 2013 Warriors like. Mm-hmm. Um, Clay hadn't been, Steph hadn't been, Draymond hadn't been, and that was the core. And so Harrison Barnes hadn't been. So, like, this was their first shot, and they didn't know any better, and they just played really well, and they caught the right matchup, and right. they were able to take off. And they were the underdogs. So it's a little bit different. But I also think, like, um, my they thing were, – They were the underdogs, but I'm wondering if the Nuggets get matched up with the Thunder in the first round, if OKC's favored in that series. My concern with the not knowing any better thing is that oftentimes the things that decide playoff series catch you off guard – um, the physicality, the difference in calls, the intensity. The biggest thing is that matchups get targeted so hard. And when we say that, what we're really meaning is like, oh, you're talking about like uh, Daniil Gallinari is going to switch on, going to force the switch on to with Jokic on him and try to go around him. It's not just that. It's, look, every time that the Nuggets bring the ball up in a 2-7 in a series versus the Clippers, Patrick Beverly is going to be on Jamal Murray's ass. He's going yeah. to be on him constantly because the scouting report is going to say Murray's got questionable handle. Like, guys read the scouting report in the NBA playoffs when they do not read it. Like, Jokic, <laughs> I don't think, has read a scouting report the entire year. I just don't think he has. You mean he's not logging onto his iPad? Uh, Breaking down m- Monday night and watching uh, <laughs> the Pistons last game? Okay, I know he's, got, he's weak against the left shoulder turn, so I'm going to get – no. 
Um, but you have to do that in the playoffs. You have to bring that kind of intensity. You have to bring that kind of focus and attention. There are guys in this team I think that can do that. Like, I think Gary Harris will be, like, up on the scouting report. I think that – I know Paul Millsap will be. I know, like, Jamal Murray's like a maybe. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that, like, you're, all of your weaknesses are going to get attacked. And they're going to try things out specifically to try and target you. And they're going to try and get in your head. Like, it gets re really tough. And you got to be able to – you have to be able to keep your edge while also keeping your cool. And you got to deal with it when it's like, you know – it's one thing when you're up 30 and the Pistons make a big run and they're tired at the end of a West Coast road trip and you're trying to hold on. It's another thing when you're in L.A. or you're in Houston or you're in San, especially San Antonio. Oh, if, you're, if you're in San Antonio and you've been up by 15 and the Spurs cut it to four and that place is the angriest crowd in the NBA and, and they are on. that kangaroo thing is running all over the yeah, floor. Yeah, and they are on and there's, they always play like really loud, aggressive metal music. Like, that's the OKC, or San Antonio's, like, that's my favorite quirk, is that they play the most metal of any team in the league. And those, you know, this, and you're looking across, and it's DeRozan. Well, okay, DeRozan, but it's, like, Aldridge and Popovich. And, and uh, Derek White. And those guys are just going to execute. Like, how do, you, how do you respond to that, you know? If you're at home, this is a bigger one. It's like, if you're at home in game one, and you miss your first five shots from the field because you're just missing shots, you're just a little nervous, okay, you're down 17-10 all of a sudden. Like, it's all of a sudden 17-10 midway through the first quarter. Can you, can you resolve yourself, buckle down, and get back to it? Yeah. And do you press too much? Like, with Jamal Murray, that's, like, the thing. Is, like, is he going to press too much? With Nikola Jokic, is he going to be like, I just got to let the game come to me. I got to let the game come to me. And when it's like, no, man, like, you need to go get a bucket. This team needs a bucket right now. You need to go score. Like, being able to recognize what your team needs in the playoffs are, are so important. I think there's an argument to be made for the level of energy that they can play with and their execution level and how good they are. But they're also going to need to match that with a mental – this year they built the mental consistency to be great, but they have to have such a mental toughness in order to win what they're going to be up against. And that's just what we don't know. I've been very adamant about this. It's not that I think the Nuggets are going to fail, which is what I think most people outside of Denver think. And some people in Denver, they think they're going to fail. I don't think they're going to fail. I don't think they're going to succeed. I don't know. We don't know about this team, and the only way we're going to know is when we finally get to see it in three weeks. Well, clarification, Harrison. The uh, Spurs mascot is a coyote that looks like coyote. an oh, shrimp, not a kangaroo. kangaroo. Yeah, with the, yeah. The, the, that, doesn't, that, that, that takes his pants off, which is my favorite. That's my favorite joke from the the from the coyote is he makes a big dramatic removal of his pants as if that means anything. <laughs> with a, yeah. Um Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, you know, besides the inexperience, I mean, the other thing that kind of sticks out in my mind that, that worries me is Denver's a pretty small team. They're not terribly athletic. They they don't have that guy that can defend the beast on the wings. I I know Denver's had a ton of success against Oklahoma City in the regular season, but I worry against them. Even like an OKC, when OKC throws all that length and athleticism out there, and they're flying around, can Denver match up physically? Yeah, that's. I think that's a real. That's a legitimate thing to be concerned about because like. Who are you putting on Paul George? In that starting unit, who's going to guard Paul George? I mean, Will Bart did a great job on him last time, so that's what you got to stick with. And that works great, but if Will picks up two fouls, now you put in Torrey Craig in. And, you know, the physicality thing is really tough because OKC is going to try and bully you. And in the course of a playoff series, if you set the tone for how the physicality is going to go, the refs are not going to call. Like in the regular season game, you'll catch it like up. Oh, they just called everything. Playoffs, like if you do that consistently over and over and over again, 
like they will wear out the refs and they will get away with more and more and more. Like we've seen Jokic lose his mind at officials. How is he going to respond if Steven Adams is just elbowing him every single time, slapping him, clawing him, dragging him, pulling him, all these things. Seeing how those guys respond to that is going to be really key. And like, can you match that? Because that's the only way you're going to be, be a team like OKC is you got to out-execute them. you got to not respond with, like, losing your cool. You have to go out and execute, but you have to also respond with, like, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be bullied because Russell Westbrook is going to try and bully you mm. off of the floor and into the center of the earth. Right. How is Jokic going to respond when Tony Brothers refs game one yeah. of <laughs> the first round series? Yeah. We don't know. I, I think that's the theme of this podcast. Yeah. We don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs. How do you think – I know we don't know, but how? What's your hypothesis about how Nicole Jokic will look in the playoffs? I'm worried about it, um, and we'll thank God that some members of our media contingent will not probably not listen to this podcast because if they were, I would get in trouble. Uh, I'm really worried about him versus the double. There's some quite, there are some metrics that indicate that there's some problems there, especially with turnovers. Um, sometimes he navigates it beautifully and he works his way out of it and he either makes the right pass or he scores through it, which is what I would like to see him do more is just like make a double move and get, get to the middle and score. Um, there are a lot of times when he turns the ball over, he gets flustered and they're going to send hard doubles at him. I don't know of a team in the Western conference. That's not going to double Nikola Jokic because they know when you're a team like Denver and that you're like, he's your, your guy, he's your team. Like if you cut off Jokic, what are you looking at now? Jamal Murray ISOs. See, I always think back to when the Nuggets played in San Antonio a couple months back, and the Spurs doubled Jokic Mm -hmm. like I hadn't seen any team double Jokic in three years. And they made Denver's role players beat them, and Denver couldn't hit any threes that night. Right. Um, The thing was, Denver's role players that night were like Torrey Craig, Wancho, Jamal Murray when he was going through a huge shooting slump. I I wonder – if Denver knocks down those shots, and I think the Nuggets do knock down those shots, if that's but Gary Harris and Will Barton instead of, you know, Torrey Craig and Wancho. The key with a seven-game series is, and I will say this, like I'm not as high on Greg Popovich playoff coach as people are because they kind of talk about him as if like his overall coaching acumen, which like Greg Popovich I think is the best coach in sports history. Like he's the best coach in all of sports. Um, Better than Andy Reid? Just, just slightly. <laughs> Um, but not better than Patrick Mahomes. Um, but Pop's slow to make adjustments in a playoff series. However, however, one thing that will happen is, all right, so they come out game one and they double. And Jokic, and it's, they're at home, which role players shoot better at home. So Jokic moves the ball and they hit shots. Okay, in game two, they help. They send the double, but they start to overplay a little bit more. Just a little bit, right? And either they get the win, they get the split, or it's close. Game three now, all right, we've got our timing down. We know when he's going to make that pass because players are – they're just prone to the same, like, okay, turn, look, and, and timing. And once you start doing that, it's, okay, now we're going to start – as soon as we crash to this, the strong side, we're going to flood weak. And then you're talking about interceptions and passes, and we've seen their problems when this team gets turnover happy – that's when they really get in trouble because they're transition defense. They don't have the athletes to get up the floor and make, and make transition plays. So, like, that's the thing is, is the matchups are going to be about can Denver stay ahead of that because can you be like, all right, look, they're flooding that weak side for the spot-ups, which means, Will, like, you're going to have to cut. Like, you're gonna, when they flood, you've got to cut. And, Nicola, you've got to fake that, oh, that pass over the top for the ball reversal 
and fine wool cutting or Gary cutting or whoever. You have to have these counters to counters that are layered on top of each other. And again, they might be able to do that. They might not. We don't we know. don't know. What about the other young guys on this team? Like we know Jamal is so hit or miss. He's been inconsistent this year. I feel year. like he's got to I feel like I feel like Jamal and Gary are going to have a game. They're both I feel like there's definitely going to be a Jamal game. Yeah. My here's an interesting one though. I feel like if if you tell me Gary Harris is going to have a game, Nicole Jokic is going to have a game and uh Will and Barton? We'll, no, Will Barton, I think, might have a game. But, like, for sure, Gary, Jamal, and Nicola are all going to have a game in the playoffs. And we won't go farther than that because we don't know if they're going to make it out of the first round. I would say that for sure they win the Nicola game. And for sure they win the Gary game. And I don't know if they win the Jamal game. Hmm. I think Jamal can have 45 and they still lose. I think Jamal can have 38 and they still lose. Um, I think if Gary Harris has, like, Gary Harris scored 30 points with six assists, like, they're absolutely winning that ballgame. Well, the thing with Jamal Murray, at least during the regular season, is that when he plays well, the Nuggets are, are almost unbe- unbeatable. And right. maybe it's a different animal in the playoffs, but I believe they're 7-0 and right. when he goes for 30-plus. But he, he is just such a game-changer for this team. And I think Zach Lowe called him, like, the most important swing player in the NBA over the next couple of years. But, I mean, if, if Jamal Murray hits – like the, I think the Nuggets will be going to conference finals, finals in the future. I think it kind of hinges on him. And look, if he has a run, then that I absolutely agree. Like if he has a run where it's like, holy crap, like he has a Jalen Brown type of run where it's like Jamal's scoring, like like Jamal score. You know, I have eight or out of uh, let's say six, I have twelve playoff games. Like Murray scored thirty plus in four of them. Like those are all like those could all be wins. I think there's a chance that they can survive that if you're like we shut out Jokic. We shut out Harris. We limited Millsap and Barton, and we made Jamal Murray beat us. And it's like, yeah, he had 30 points, but he had it on 25 shots. Well, it is interesting. I'm going through his game log right now. I mean, his games where he's gotten above 30, it's not like Denver's blowing out the opponent. He goes for 48 against Boston. They win by eight. Uh, he goes for 46 against Phoenix. They win by four. Mm-hmm. He goes for 36 against the Kings. They win by four. Um, 30 against Minnesota. They won that one easily. And then tonight, yeah. 33 against the Pistons. They win by three. Granted, so, they should have won by 20 tonight. And well, it's why, well, part of it, too, is also it's like, what are the teams that they're going to be playing? Like, I think he can probably get loose versus, well, no. Like, he probably can't get loose versus the, versus the Clippers because that's specifically going to be Patrick Beverly, and that's going to be a nightmare for him. That's going to be Patrick Beverly pressing him 94 feet from the opening ten. Yeah, but okay. I think I also didn't think <laughs> I also think the Spurs he can. The Spurs defense is terrible. Like that's a underrated thing. Is that the Spurs, especially their starting unit? Well, other than Derek White, other than Derek White, who has the best defensive rating on the team. Thank um, you. Their defense overall is terrible. Uh, so like he might have opportunities there if they play the Jazz. I think he'll get loose because I think that Utah will be like we have to shut down the DHO. Like, Utah will absolutely try and target, like, these specific things around Jokic to try and mess them up. Um, and I don't think – I mean, maybe Ricky Rubio can get the job done. It's going to be tough. Like, there's going to be tough matchups every night. This is what the playoffs are in the Western Conference. There's not – it's the, the, the Nuggets don't play in the East where it's like, what do you got to do? Uh, I got to beat Reggie Jackson. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you got to do? Uh, I got to beat, you know, God, I got to beat D'Angelo Russell who's going to score but can't defend, like – Man, a Nets – actually, that would be really fun. A Nets-Nuggets first round would be a lot of fun. Hey, if we had uh, one no through 16. Yeah. We 
should. Want to remind you guys, Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations. You can browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. For your order, you can get 20% off your entire purchase if you use the promo code BSN20. So make sure to check those guys out at Green Solution. We got to hit one more break, but we'll be right back with more from the BSN Nuggets podcast. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency hands down is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30% switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow-up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one-time-a-year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. One of the last ones I had for you, is there one player on this team right now that you can see his role really expanding in the playoffs? Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig's my guy. Um, uh, When I've been doing MVP stuff, so I've been watching all of Harden's possessions, he really gave him a hard time. Like, he just – and for you to be able to attack Westbrook and Harden the way that Torrey Craig has, I just think that's going to be too hard to keep off the floor. I think that – I think Will Barton's gave great effort defensively, but I think eventually you're going to need a guy with physicality who's a stopper, mm-hmm. and you're going to want to use him more. And I think at some point that's going to come out. Um, so those are the guys that I think are uh, – like, Torrey's really the guy. I also think that – I think Monte Morris is definitely going to be the guy that – there's always a, a, a – on great playoff runs, there's always a guy that the other team is like, that guy beat us, like that guy – and I think for Denver, it's definitely going to be Monte Morris. That Monte Morris is going to be the guy that everyone's like, like the opposing fans. I'm going to get like, who's this guy? Is this the best point guard in the league? Like he can't shoot this well. He can't shoot this well. And I'm like, we shot him. He shot above season. 40 all year. He hasn't fallen off. He, like, well, he just didn't turn the ball over at all. Best turnover rate in the league. That's kind of who he is. Like that's the thing is, is. So I think those two guys are are the big keys there. And honestly, one of the question marks I have is like Gary Harris, like. Gary hasn't had a great year because he hasn't been healthy. Are yep. we are we gonna get a great Harris? Are we gonna get a great Gary Harris game? And like that's if they we don't, don't know. We don't know. And if they don't, they could get tough. I was just gonna say Monte's like probably the guy I got the most confidence in in the, in the playoffs to maintain what he's been doing. I mean, I'm a big believer in Jokic, but I mean, Monte I trust in any circumstance. I, I started wondering uh, about midseason. I started wondering like how many teams would he start on, like. The, the Phoenix Suns would be way better, like five games better if they had Monte Morris. The Orlando Magic would be five games better if they had Monte Morris. Like, I mean, it's incredible what that guy's done with his career this year. I like what you said about Torrey Craig. Michael Malone's always quick to point out that the Nuggets are one of the teams to hold Harden under 30 points per game this season. Yep. I think Harden's averaging 28 a game against Denver. Something as we get closer to think about, 
as we get closer to what seems like an inevitable matchup between the two is... It does seem inevitable, doesn't it? As regrettable as it is for Denver. Um, I, what I, I just talked about this with Pop, right? About how, like, okay, the first game you try to double and he burns you, but then he started helping out. So if you play the Rockets in a series, I wonder if that actually does get better. That the Rockets in a series, it's like, okay, we figured out a way to limit Harden we just got to get better closing out on the shooters. Yeah. And so, like, they lose game one, but then they do a little bit better in game two. And they do a little bit better. And they steal one in game three in Houston. Okay, they take game four. All right, it's back to Denver. And now they're, like, really starting to lock down. They win game five. And now you've just forced them into at least seven games, and that's a win for the season. If you force the Houston Rockets into a second-round game seven, you have officially won the 2019 NBA Denver Nuggets season. <laughs> if they beat the Rockets in the series... I mean, I don't know how much better it can get than that. Yeah, they be, if, I mean, if they, be, if they beat Houston, um, well, no, I was about to say I was like, I was going to be. Well, then like, they'll be in the Western Conference Finals, I guess. And or then, NBA Finals. And then they're going to lose to the Warriors, and we'll have to talk about the offensive line coach because that's how that goes, apparently. I think that might be a good way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> Before it gets too late and I start, I start popping off. No, the last thing I was going to say, though, you're worried about Jokic in the playoffs. I'm worried about it because he's never been there, just like I am a little worried about a bunch of these guys who haven't been there. But I think we've seen them play really good in big games, and I know they haven't played in a playoff game. We don't know what that's like. But he was great in Game 82 last year, and I know that wasn't a playoff game. We were talking about this pregame. It's not a playoff game. He's been big in big moments. He's been great at the end of games in fourth quarters. Mm -hmm. He's one of the best closers in the league per, you know, how efficient he shot the ball late in close games. Look, I got to stay on brand. I've doubted Jokic at every turn, and he's proven me wrong at every turn. So at some point, like, I got to stay on brand and just be like, you got to show it to me. And then he shows it to me, and I'm like, all right, what's the next level? Can you, can, yep. can you win two finals MVPs in a row? Like, that's like, what I have to do. But I also think that um, – I think that there's a capacity. Nicola's so smart, and he's so gifted, and he's so talented, and the staff's good enough. I think that he can figure things out and improve. A lot of it, honestly, is going to be his temperament. That's key, too. This is, this is a big deal. If he can keep his head, if he can keep his composure with the officials. This is one of the biggest things. He's had big moments in big games, but there have also been games where he's vanished, and like we don't talk about those because they're just losses, and it's like those, that's when things get hard. How is he going to do when it's not easy, when it's not free-flowing, it's hard. you got to prove to me that you can make the plays. There are going to be nights when they're going to be like, we're not going to let you pass. Yeah. You're going to have to score 40. Like, we're going to do to you what other teams are doing. Like, we've talked about with, with whoever else. Like, the, the formula for Harden is stay home on the shooters, drop the big, and make James Harden score 40 on floaters. It's what the Milwaukee Bucks did tonight, and they held him to one of his lowest outputs of the season in a loss. Um, the same thing is going to be for Nikola Jokic. Their teams are going to be like – no cutters, no DHO, no spot ups. You got to score forty, and that's antithesis of what Nikola wants. And so, is he able to find ways to punish them anyway with passing, or is he going to go in there and be like, "I'm going to score on you until you let me pass," and that's going to be a big determining factor? Yeah, we'll see. Um, thanks for coming on, man. This thanks. was long overdue. Thanks for having me. I'm a long time. I'm long time first time. I've listened Definitely. to you guys quite a bit, so I'm very excited to be with you guys. Definitely. Well. You probably already follow him, but at HP Basketball on Twitter, he's got a big Nuggets feature coming out on the Action Network. Can't wait to read that. Who's your pick for MVP? 
I'm not going to give you oh, that. Oh, come on. I haven't even started Giannis' tape yet. Uh, that was a good try. Eileen, <laughs> it was a valiant attempt. Eileen, uh, very slightly still towards Giannis. I flipped towards Harden a little bit over the weekend. You flip back, though. And I flip back right hmm. now to Giannis by a smidge. Not because of the game tonight at all, because uh, neither guy played well tonight, but because um, I just think that the per 36s are the kind of the compelling number for me that, like, if Giannis had to do more, he's proven he would. He's done what he's needed. Like, Giannis has done – if you're going to make the argument that, you, that James Harden has had to put up these insane numbers for them to win, I think it's more impressive that Giannis hasn't had to put up insane numbers for the Bucks to win. He just dominates for his 31 minutes a night, and they go home with a 20-point win. I think Eileen Harden. What about you? Probably Giannis, um, mostly for, for what Matt said. Interesting. All right, that concludes our chat with Matt. I want to thank him for coming on again. Make sure to check his stuff out on Twitter at HPBasketball or on theactionnetwork.com. That's all we got for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it again. I know it wasn't the pristine audio we typically have, but that's what happens sometimes recording at Pepsi Center. All right, that's all the time we got for today. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you guys then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.